Alistair, you are deep underground. You are on the basement level of Tyr. You have been watching this masked man as you had just shot him uh, and as he has stood up, pieces of his um, clothing, of this breathing apparatus that he has been wearing are being uh, torn away as he is trying to to pull them off himself because they're clearly um, not working very well. And you have just seen his hollow chest cavity, the massive wound from um, the top of his mouth all the way down to his chest and the burning green fire in his eyes. He's just plunged his hands into the ground and you feel a shuddering and an appalling hum of white noise. As cracks begin to spread across the room, Alistair, you can't help but turn your head as you see the body that was laid on the stone begin to rise, pulling, pulled into the air almost by invisible lines. The machinery to which the body is connected is sparking and overloading. You can see the significant items breaking free of the machinery and joining the body in the air. The body is glitching, but it is becoming faster. Three versions of the body are breaking into and out of existence rapidly. The first is the material body as you've seen it, the second is a technicolor shadow as if distorted by a lens flare. And the third is a black and white static version. All three of these are bleeding and separating from one another, then pulled back together. Then the sequence begins again. Alistair, there is a terrible ear-splitting crack as a tear in reality itself begins to open in the air directly above the stone. Like an eye opens, the tear peels into existence with the smell of burning oxygen and ozone. It hisses at the edges as smoke or steam begins to issue from it. Inside the tear, you can see only blinding white and swirling force. What is Alistair doing? So I just shot the masked man, right? Yep, and you destroyed his breathing apparatus. Yeah, right, okay. And then he... Is he trying to open a crack in the ground like he did at the beginning of the season? Yeah, he seems to be doing that, but your in addition, but your attention seems to have been like pulled away uh, very forcibly by what's happening above the stone. So these are two separate events, but they're happening at the same time. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, Alistair's gonna try and tear his focus away from from what he assumes is mother or the body that's going to be given to mother. He tries to tear his focus away and look back towards the masked man um, and retrain the gun on him. And is he still trying to open the crack in the ground? The crack is splitting open and it's in fact spreading. It's cracking almost to under your feet. Uh, And the fissures are spreading up one of the walls towards the ceiling and you can see bits of stone dropping away. And you begin to see the glow of blue hellfire. It's reaching out like icy fingers through the stone. All right, Alistair retrains the gun on him and he says, Stop it! Close it! I I don't want to kill you, but don't... Just stop! In a rattling, gurgling voice that you you wish the rebreather was there. Instead, you hear the words issuing up the throat. The mouth doesn't even move. There's no tongue to make words, but the, the sound kind of rattles up this broken throat. I'm dead already. You cannot do anything. Is there anything trying to crawl out of the tunnel, the crack in the floor yet? Well, let me just roll a d100. Nice. Oh, oh. No, oh. I, Aubrey, I reckon more of a, a, a D200, I reckon. Well, look, you got pretty lucky. How about a D4? I rolled a 40. Oh, yeah, okay. No, that's fine. That's much better. You you begin to see bony arms reaching out from the ground, consumed in this sort of pale blue fire, uh, and it's like the tethered soul to the body. And you begin to see dozens of these pulling themselves, both out of the ground around you, but out of the walls and the ceiling as well. Oh, lovely. Okay. Puck is backing up close to you. Uh, she has lost the Bowie knife, and she's, like, looking around yeah, for some other kind of weapon. She's still got the knife that I gave her, though, right? It's oh, like okay. A, it's like a main character. Like, I am feeling under-equipped for this, Alistair. Yeah, you don't say. Um, quick question. He's asking the masked man again. Um, and while I'm doing this, 
I'm gonna think uh, to Faustus, and I'm going to request the shotgun form of the gun again. Uh, roll for sync. Okay. Ooh, haven't got my dice out yet, man. What am I doing? Being a bad player. Man, somehow maybe I just thought that this was gonna be a, you know, a nice, <laughs> a nice gentle acting episode. I don't know where that came from. Six. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> uh, ooh, six plus five. That doesn't make twelve. You do not sink enough. Uh, the gun is unresponsive. You can feel that that sort of snake coalescing at the very base of your of your skull and it seems to be in turmoil it's maybe reacting to this tear opening it's throwing the gun into chaos and you're not yeah, actually okay. able to speak and connect to faustus yeah okay you still have the gun in your hand but it's not responding to you the way that you would want yeah right okay so yeah i'm gonna addressing the ma the previously masked figure okay yeah yeah so quick question um where do you get all these people from? Like, do you just go around ripping people from graves or something and then just store them from when you're ready? Or how does that work? And then he's going to turn to the gun. And he's like, look, I know we're in a bad situation, okay? Just work with me here. Uh, like, talking to the guy. Like, yeah. He's not even trying to <laughs> do it in his head now. He's like... The cracks have fully opened and the masked man straightens up and he kind of tears off... Um, the last sort of threads of his his coat and uniform that have been hanging on around his shoulders and arms after you had hit him. And you can see that there are deep scars and there's like a black, almost like frostbite rot that have that's sort of worked its way up from his hands, up his arms and across his chest. And all he says is, Like calls to like, there is nothing else to it. And he is going to dash forwards towards you with the same sort of uncanny speed that you saw months ago in a church in Brussels. Bruges, sorry. Church in Bruges. Okay, uh, I will roll for symmetry with the gun to attack him. Mm-hmm. I got an 11 that time. Oh, you're very lucky. The gun only got a three. Oh, so, yeah, nice. It does just kick it. It's like almost like a delayed reaction. You, you bring it up, but it feels heavier, and the, the reaction time seems lower, but you do still manage to fire in time. Uh, roll the d20 to hit. Did we decide if I have any pluses to hit with the gun? No, because you're rolling a d20. Yeah. Uh, that's just you a 7 add then. Your, I'm pretty sure you can add your um, combat modifier. Your skill. Uh, oh, I'll, I, will, I can add my firearm skill, which is a plus 2. Because yeah. close quarters combat doesn't really involve firearms, I'd say. So that, that makes it a 9? Yep. Yep, you hit. Oh, nice. Um, I'm going to aim for the shoulder because mm -hmm. again I, I don't really want to kill it as much as I like trying to avoid that as much as possible sweep the leg BJ nah man I'm all about that shoulder action today <laughs> he can still run if you take out his shoulder alright fine I'll go for a leg <laughs> I've, been, I've been pressured into my leg, leg day Here's her, hear Ernest's voice coming over the wind no! Shoot the leg, Alistair. <laughs> sweep <Stupid>. the leg! <laughs> sweep the leg, Alistair. Right. Stupid. I, I, I sweep the leg. All right, sure. How much damage do you do? Uh, good, good point. How, how does I can one... never remember what the damage dice is for the gun. Is That's right, I wrote it down. <laughs> oh, uh, I, only do, I only do seven. Okay, seven damage. Yeah, you... Um, the... Re the power of the gun actually still seems kind of limited it seems almost distracted uh you do feel like the expansion of heat and the contraction and then the the shot fire but it doesn't seem to be with the same velocity as it normally is and it shoots it hits him through the upper thigh and he kind of jolts and sprawls to the ground but almost instantly is pushing himself back up and moving onwards how close is he um, to me and puck I would say that you he will be on you at the end of the next round, so you probably get one more set of actions, but also the rest of these undead will as well. Okay. Can um, I Puck oh, well, for I've her just turn? Gone, so yeah, Puck. Yeah. Puck for her turn is going to look around, look at the knife, 
and then she's gonna uh, rush to the the research station near the stone that's all getting torn apart and pulled into the air with the floating figure. Yep. And she's gonna grab one of the desk chairs that's there. <laughs> she's like looking for anything she can use. Grabs a desk chair. Yeah. And starts rushing back towards you. A zombie, um, like one of the undead roars with this horrible screaming sound and flings itself at her and she just like smacks it in the head with the whole of the chair holding it like in both hands nice and it's gonna went bam and then she's like trying to move back towards you and she's swinging the chair out at anything that comes close to her yeah right okay uh, alright we'll say that it's your turn again okay then we'll go puck one more time and then it is the enemy's turn to roll alright I am gonna just sprint towards the figure and as he's standing up like time my steps so that I you know have the right foot and everything jump in the air and I'm just going to do like a flying kick at its head and I'm going to kick it towards the fissure in the ground that it's opened up basically I'm trying to kick it into where all these other things are climbing out of just because I'm thinking maybe if I shut him in there maybe that'll close it and with him on the other side that'd be nice mm-hmm. alright do this now that's an 11 Hits. With with my modifier, great. Uh, and then, it's just like an unarmed strike, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's six damage then. Yeah, you kind of like smack him in the head. You kind of jump and with it would be both feet or one foot. Uh, it's probably one foot. I right, probably yeah, jump, jump jumped off his right foot and then smashed his left in. Yeah, you sort of twist your body in midair and you bring your left foot around. Um, in this swinging arc that takes him right in the head and you bash him into the ground and he sort of slides and drops into one of the fissures. The fissures are not terribly deep. They don't go, you know, like metres and metres down. But he kind of chunks in yeah, sure. and it's going to take him a minute to scramble his way back out. Okay. Uh, all right. And I'm assuming you kind of fall back into a defensive pose or you want to try yeah. and pin him down in the crack? Um, no, I would, I would like get ready to attack him again if he tries to crawl out, basically. Alright. Um, Puck is going to preempt the the first round of combat with the zombies, so she's going to rush forwards to them uh, okay. with the chair. And she's going to start swinging. So anyway, I start swinging. <laughs> um, the first swing, she misjudges the distance. She's like holding the chair by the back and swinging the feet of it which is like a little roller feet, and swings it at one of the zombies. Um, and it sort of, it isn't quite there yet, and it sort of slides to the side, but she just keeps the momentum going, turns 360 and swings it again. <laughs> nice. Um, and this time she makes complete contact with the head and job, smashes Pike. it into the ground. And this one in particular, this in, one in particular drops. That's one out of 40 down. Yay. All right, now it is their turn. Okay, let's see how many undead can get on top of you at once. Let's 40. say, no, well, well, they've only just crattering. started climbing out, right? Um, yeah, okay, here's what I'll do I'll roll a d10, and that's how many can actually get to you in this turn. Okay, only two. Okay, nice. Um, We'll say that one of them was the one that Puck was swinging at, and another one, Alistair, is lunging from you from another side. They are going to attack. Uh, they get a 10 to hit, so that's going to get you. Yep. Uh, and it's a D6 of damage. Four damage as it okay. sort of lashes out at you. And you feel as it hits you, it isn't like cutting damage. It isn't like force. It's more like a cold burn. Uh, this is necrotic damage. This is something that almost like sears the skin cold. Uh, and you can feel that it, it more takes energy out of you than anything else. It's almost like it's leeching out of energy. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. All right, and now it is the Master's Man. Okay. He's going to have to roll to get himself out of the crack and not use his entire turn. That's a five. So he kind of hauls himself out and rolls. Instead of trying to rush you, he's going to pull his revolver, which is you know like a military-issue revolver, uh, from the small of his back where he had kept it and he's going to take a shot at you with disadvantage because he is sort of still a little bit shaken from his fall. Do I get an opportunity attack given that I was waiting for him to do that or I'll just go on my turn? Well, you have just been attacked by the zombie. So oh, yeah, true. Yeah, of course. Quite. That would um, distract me. 
but he does only get a five, so that's not going to hit. He shoots, um, and it goes just over your head. Okay. All right, now it's your turn. All right, I'm going to roll another attack on him. Uh, so mm-hmm. with the gun, so roll for symmetry. Yep. That's a nine for my side. Yep. And a seven. Nice. So roll with d20. That's an 18 plus two, so that definitely hits. 15 damage. 15, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Alistair, like, kind of ducks as the shot goes over his head, pulls the gun up, takes a second, aims carefully, and then fires, this time just straight at his chest. Yeah, you see it impact, you see the ripple, and it forces him down to the ground, it sort of, like, hits him back, crashes him to the ground, uh, and you can see this sort of black smear... Uh, on the ground as he's trying to pull himself up. He seems to take the damage, absorb it, and keep moving, Um, but the more damage you're putting into him, the more difficulties he's having to kind of keep his momentum up. Um, He hits the ground, rolls, and begins to pull himself up again. Can I use my movement again to move to him, and this time without, like, not attacking him, like, I'm not trying to do damage, but just while he's still stumbling, again, like, pick him up by the back of his jacket or something and throw him into the crack? Um, that would be a second action. You can use your movement to get right up to him, but you can't use yeah, it okay. to, um, to grab him. No, all right, I'll use my movement to retreat back to where Puck is then and back her up. Puck is on fire now. Not like, sorry, not literally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. You're probably that, that worried me for a second there. Puck has, like, figured out the, uh, the, the delicacy of an out office, the mechanics of this chair of the office chair <laughs> and she she's is spinning in circles she's literally moving almost like a dancer uh, stepping in and letting the swing of the office chair turn her around and then swings in a different direction to move her in a different direction nice and she's just laying into these undead uh, she takes down three bam 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 yeah nice. uh, with the office chair keeping her momentum going. Uh, but she's starting to get surrounded by them. Uh, and that makes it... There you go. They roll for the D10 again. All right, eight of them. Four on Puck, four on you. Okay. Uh, and that is eight damage overall. They didn't roll very high. Okay. And so as you are moving forwards, you're kind of barreling through. One of them tries to get in your way. You sort of just like... Uh, shoulder barge it out of the way and another one grabs you from behind another one uh, sort of slams into your chest and you shove it off but the burning damage still takes effect on you okay the masked man's turn he rolls he's sort of still recovering from this hit he's rolled up to his feet and as you get close to him he moves in low and then up right into your personal space and you feel uh, one hand close around your throat and the other the palm presses right into your forehead. What did he roll for that? Uh, he rolled a 13. Can I substitute that two. for a four? Yes, you can. Yes. Alistair is invincible. Not really. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, he he goes to do this. You, you're, you let your mind drop back into that monochrome space where you see this coming you see the outcome you see his hand on your forehead and then your body goes limp and begin to drop uh okay and you pivot you move your hip and your left leg to the side and you pull your entire body out of line with him and his hands graze past you and now it's your attack of opportunity we'll stay with this particular little bit of combat for the moment so is he like kind of past me now he's sort of in line with you but he's reaching past you yeah, okay. I'm going to spin around and just point the gun kind of up towards his neck, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, like, roughly in that sort of direction. And we'll roll for symmetry. Ah, dropped it. Five? Only a four. Ooh. Okay. So you can roll to attack, but you can only roll with the 12. That's fine. Uh, well, that's still an 11 plus 2, so that definitely still hits. Okay. Yep, point-blank range. Uh, 13 damage. All right, yep. You take him point-blank in the side of the neck, um, and it sort of snap, and then snaps back into place uh, as he's sort of, again, hurled to the ground uh, in front of you. Can I use, like, a bonus action to just do another unarmed strike on him, like fire and then just kick him or something? Yeah, we do not have bonus actions. That's that's okay. It's at this point that your attention is again diverted. It's almost like 
a magnetic pull on your eyes as you look back to the stone. And you see suddenly that the floating figure stiffens. And then the sounds, the pulses of energy, the static cease. As you look, Alistair, there is nothing but utter silence. As if all sound has been pulled into this floating body. The tear is still there, but it is stilled. It is no longer moving. There's no longer uh, coiling, coalescing power behind the veil. As the body begins to descend, she's moving, stretching out her arms, almost like a sleeper returning to consciousness. Her eyes are still closed, but she begins to descend to the floor, almost like a spirit. Gently, her bare feet reach the stone. You feel almost like all the attention in the room is being drawn to her. And make a roll for me, a paranormal knowledge roll. Okay. Uh, while I'm doing this, can I see the other significant items? Uh, you can see that they are almost crumbling into dust around her, along uh, with the okay. machinery that was pulled into the air. They're kind of crumbling into sand and being drawn into this split in reality. Right, okay. Uh, that's a 10 plus 2 for paranormal knowledge, so unnatural 12. Unnatural 12, okay. You feel that coalescing in the back of your mind is being tugged at. You feel in the same way that these other significance are being drawn into the split. You can feel the gun in your hand being pulled almost magnetically, and it's almost beginning to drag you with the force of it. Your entire body is trying to resist, but the gun is being pulled towards okay. the crack. Can I try and speak to Faustus and tell him to make the gun disappear? Um, yeah, sure. Roll for that for me. Okay. That's just a straight roll? Yep. Yep. Uh, six. All right, well, I'll roll for Faustus since it is this. Okay, he got a natural 12. He is almost clawing to get uh, into your, like, communication with you. Um, you don't drop back into that liminal space, but you do hear his voice in your head, and you can hear him panicked, saying, Alistair... Alistair, it's pulling me. I can't stop it. It's it's going to take me. It's, it's okay. going to take me. It's okay. Don't let it take me. I won't. Just, it's okay. I can't, I can't let it, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Remove the gun. Can you take the gun away? That's not, cha no, she's pulling me. She's pulling all of me. She's okay. trying to pull me out of you. You are actually beginning to be dragged now. Your feet are sliding on the stones as you are being pulled towards the figure and the tear. Okay, uh, can I make a roll to try and grab onto something on my way? Or, like, um, lodge my sure. feet in the stone or something? Sure. So that's a... When I roll three... That's a five. Okay. You, you can kind of slow yourself, but you are not managing to stop yourself. Yeah, okay. And you hear a voice that permeates the room. The voice itself is unfamiliar, but it strikes a chord in your mind and it brings you back to a cave within the archipelago to a sea of bodies in strange fluid and purple light. You hear this voice coming from the figure as she opens her mouth. Her eyes are still closed and she's still stretching out her limbs, kind of almost feeling them in the space to be alive once more, to have corporeal form, a body. How I have missed this. Alistair, she opens her eyes and you see they are like galaxies spinning inexorably in blackness. And you feel something strange rush through you, almost like power, almost like energy the closest thing that you can think of to this is before you gave up caffeine. Uh, <laughs> you feel this sort of rush into you and you feel almost like something in you has been heightened and you can see out of the corner of your eye that Puck has had something similar. She's sort of stiffened and straightened and then she's looking at her hands. Alistair, you've just leveled up. Ooh! First uh, time so you in a while. First time in a while, you get a little bit more health. Uh, I think you get a D... 
eight more health, so you can roll a d8 plus one or something. Okay, um, do I add that to my max health and then my current health as well? Yes, you do. Oh, oh nice. And you get an extra point of prescience, so you can roll another d12. Oh, nice. So you, you feel this sort of rush of, of energy through you. You feel stronger. You feel your own supernatural powers uh, heightened as you are drawn inexorably towards her, almost like gravity dragging you in. And she puts out a hand to you. Child, come. Together we will do great things. There's no need to be afraid. I can offer you freedom. I can offer you safety. With me, you will be as you truly were meant to. Yeah, I bet you say that to all the guys, right? And I'm gonna draw. Uh, I'm gonna roll paranormal knowledge. Uh, no, sorry, just standard um, symmetry again with the gun. Again, trying to force it to disappear. Oh, and that was a twelve. All right. And he got a 10. Oh, nice. But what you feel instead is that the gun disappears from your hand and you feel a moment of of peace as you go, she can't get to him. And then you see the gun rematerialize and it's not in your hand. It is in the air between you and her. And you can uh, feel... Oh you can feel feel almost like blood being taken from a vein you can feel faustus being pulled from your mind ah, mother says no i was not speaking to you alistair Stone. don't take him Upstairs on the first level of the basement, the board of Tyr is fighting the hunger. Heath, you have been dashing in and out of combat trying to keep its attention on you while others around you have been trying to inflict damage. You've managed to successfully pull it away from the elevator and trap it against the wall to the left. Everyone is trying to encircle it now, and you seem to be having some success. Heath is eyeing the elevator as he's continuing to, to move in and out, ducking and weaving around this thing, keeping its focus on him as Warwick swings past, Emily swings over. He's kind of looking back and forth to the elevator. Mm-hmm. One of these, these uh, shadowy arms licks out at you, make a... Make a save for me. Seven. Okay. Seven is the high end of a mixed result. You do manage to dash backwards. You sort of use your gravity powers to fling you um, back and to the side, but you get sprayed with um, chips of concrete as this thing literally gouges through concrete. Before you know it, Charlotte is next to you. She sort of slid along the floor next to you. She grabs your shoulder and she yells loud enough to you for you to hear over the sound of cracking concrete and the yells from the other members of Tear. Heath, you need to go. You need to get to Alistair and to Puck and you need to get them out of here. Heath pauses, nods and pulls the bag off of his shoulder and throws it back behind him towards where he knows Anne is and he is going to make for the elevator. Yep, as you start moving, you hear her yelling to, um, to Warwick. Warwick, go with Heath. Emily, you too. You don't know what's down there. You need as many as you can. Anne and I will hold it. Um, as you look over your shoulder, you see Warwick breaking away and running for you and Emily taking steps backwards, unwilling to leave the fight. But as she does so, you see that um, Charlotte has been buying Anne as much time as she can. Anne has moved backwards. She's still nursing the wounds from where she was uh, attacked before, but she now spreads her hands out and the ground beneath you begins to shake and then it writhes like a sea in a storm and hands begin to rise out of the stone, hands made from the, uh, from the concrete itself and they begin to lash out, slamming into the hunger, pinning it to the wall and then fire erupts over the hands and begins to burn at the hunger as 
Charlotte drops back to defend Anne as Anne is pushing as much power as she can onto this thing to beat it down into a corner. The hands made of concrete are compressing it, forcing it down into a little ball. Uh, But you are running. You are running for the elevator. You slide into the elevator itself and you hit the button. Uh, Warwick and Emily dash in after you and it begins to descend. You have a moment to catch your breath. You are panting <laughs> heavily. Um, your your upper torso has been like uh, lashed and flicked at with shards of of concrete uh, and masonry from the battle. Uh, you are sweating. You can see that Emily is breathing hard. Warwick just seems to be completely in his element. He's like, "Well, that was weird." <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing he's because in my mind, just all upper torso like torso up is all just bandaged yeah pretty much you don't have a shirt but right from like uh your waist up to your almost like your your collarbone is in bandages yeah so it's all just dirty now the doors begin to open as you reach um it's descended one level you haven't gone all the way to the basement uh but it's descended one level and the doors are opening uh and make a save for me great and i'll make one for warby four all right, you are standing start, in the middle. Start. Uh, Emily got a seven and Warwick got a nine. <laughs> they good. are standing far enough to the side. The doors open and you're like, wrong level. We're going right to the basement. When um, you feel the impact as something is uh, just hits you straight in the chest and pounds you back into the uh, the back wall of the elevator. Uh, do you look down? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you see your own Warhammer. Son of a bitch! And then it begins retracting. What? And there's this little hissing as it begins getting dragged across the room. Warwick's going to try and grab it. And he fails. And you hear, and uh, as you look out, the lights have been turned off in this level. It's just blackness. How's it retracting? <laughs> you can see that there's like a wire that's been... Um, been threaded into the very base of the handle like into a, into a hook on the handle there has been a wire attached and it seems to be like being retracted by some little motor <coughs> he's gonna start like clambering up again uh okay i'm gonna leave the all right yeah you step out um are there any fire alarms um yeah there'd probably be a fire alarm because that would trigger wall. lights as well like emergency lights down here. Oh uh, yeah, make a roll to try and find it in the dark for me. Twelve. Okay. You know that it's like directly uh, next to the door behind a fake pot plant, um, and you sort of just as you're walking out, you just slap it. Uh, you hear the alarm go off. Uh, you hear the rumble as as um, water sprinklers like try to come into life, but they're not working very well down here. And what goes. That seems like a worrying fire hazard, actually. Um, But the lights do begin to flicker on. Only a couple of them as emergency lights, and one of them is a red revolving flashing light. And you see that this is not a particularly large area. This is sort of more storage and stuff down here. You're in a long kind of corridor with um, roller doors on each side into different storage units and uh, spaces that are occasionally used for for experimentation or for, for running different tests. Yeah. And you can see standing in the middle of the room uh, with the Warhammer still retracting towards him is that same slim, tall, bandaged man. You can see the ears still poking out and he reaches down and picks up the Warhammer, um, unclips the cord and you can see that there's like a little a weird little winch thing connected to his right wrist what? that he's used for it and he begins to swing it experimentally just like he did the um, the crowbar. I believe it's time for round two and you've brought your friends charming. Heath walks out into the kind of open area of the room. I'm imagining there's like the elevator a corridor and an entrance to this yeah, other area. So he's kind of at the area where the corridor stops and where the bigger room begins. Mm-hmm. And he's still rubbing where he hit him in the chest and he looks at the figure in front of him. Charming, yeah. I fancy seeing you again. Heath 
clicks his neck a little bit. Listen, uh, no hard feelings, yeah? No hard feelings. It's all just business. Just business. The way you say it makes it feel like it's not. Make a perception check. <laughs> Seven. Oh, you can add your combat bonus to this. Uh, nine then. All right. Uh, and it is relevant. I'm not just letting you roll better because uh, with a nine, something about the tone of voice and then you flick back to everything you know about this guy. The perfectly clean uh, research station, the missing bodies and the explosives. And you're, you're just, you're almost at the end of this corridor. You haven't quite stepped in. And then you just have a sixth sense. He's, he must have explosives packed in here somewhere. Yeah. You don't know where, but there must be some here somewhere. Okay. Heath pauses for a little bit and then snaps his fingers at Emily and Warwick and mutters, Demolition. And he's going to start taking large strides towards uh, the figure in the middle and starts to break into a run. And he calls out, No hard feelings. But when you stand in between me and my students, when you do what you do, you don't get to hobble away scot-free. He opens his arms wide. This is almost uh, the Bane thing. He's holding your Warhammer in one hand and you can see the, the rubber gloves. And he holds it and goes, You're in my playground now. What are you going to do about it? Heath pulls out both of the batons and dips into a slide and shouts, Break you in half! As you do so, Warwick and Emily are moving after you uh, and they're going to begin to like move out to... Um, cage him in from either side alright the way we're going to run this combat uh, to make it a little bit faster uh, we are going to roll four rounds Uh, so we're going to compare different rolls you and I will both roll opposed Uh, whoever rolls higher is the one that gets to deal damage to the other and we've both got our stats here for how much damage we do and who has more health so for the first round I did also find that my damage for unarmed is actually a lot better than what we were doing in the uh, previous place. I have a 1d8 plus 3 of unarmed damage, so... Mm, Fancy. Uh, Am I adding my attack to it, or is it just a straight roll? Uh, Add your attack. 11. Um, 11. 13. Damn it! Um, you slide in, but he has been waiting for you, and now he knows better how you fight. You see him like lower his stance and then jumps into the air with a speed and a height that he should not be able to achieve if he is merely human. He's and a rabbit. He brings, he brings the warhammer up and then he throws it down, aiming right for you. You have to dodge out of the way, but you still get hit in the back of the leg by it as you kind of roll to the side and he's uh, arrested your momentum. And now Emily and Warwick. Uh, Alright, Emily tries to dive in, the sword coming out, the flames, the black flames licking up the blade. He's still in the air and she means to catch him as uh, he's coming down, but he twists in mid-air and lands right beside her, shoving her to one side. And as Warwick tries to move in, uh, he just dashes past, right past Warwick as if he's going to hit him and then just moves past him and goes straight for you again. Alright, top of the round, it's your turn. Seven. Ten. Uh, You bring the batons up to block and you feel his fist crunch into the batons and push you backwards. Uh, You feel it hit your chest and this impact as your muscles try to take the impact. But you can begin to feel some of your your healing wounds start to tear open a little bit again. Uh, And then Emily. Mm. This time he's kind of relishing the pain on your face and he doesn't see Emily coming, and he takes the, the sword right through the hip. Um, it stops just short of hitting you as well, and you hear this grunt from him as he gets hit in the left hip by Emily, and then Warwick's gauntleted fist connects with his head from the right. And you go, bam! 
uh, and he's smashed to the ground. All right, your turn again. Uh, another seven. Three. Yeah. <laughs> Heath takes the, the hit into his hands and then immediately runs again and does a slide and jumps up and connects his knee into the figure's jaw, basically, and switching the Virgo ability onto him, starts lifting him up and then remembers thinking through his fighting style, basically being that his whole thing is moving quick and moving hard and dealing enough damage in a short enough amount of time to buy himself time to heal and always winding the other person and knocking them far back, like far away to buy himself time. And so he grabs him by the shirt and punches him in the face, sending the two of them crashing into the ground right next to Warwick and Emily to not let him buy himself any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warwick rolled a natural 12. Uh, and the, ma- the bandaged man rolled a two. Uh, Warwick steps in and he just brings his fist up in like a wide roundhouse uppercut uh, and slams it into the back of his head as he's sort of being forced to the ground. Uh, because he rolled so well and he so poorly, Warwick gets a second turn uh, as he sort of clunks and falls to the ground and rolls. Warwick just grabs him by a leg and then swings him into a wall. Yes! Full-bodied, you hear a sickening crack uh, as the plaster on the wall actually splinters um, as the impact makes. All right, top of the round, that makes it your go again. What about Emily? Emily uh, rolled too low, but Warwick got really, really high. Right. Nine. Six. As the figure is being crunched into the wall, Heath is already on him again, and going into a boxing, boxing stance, uh, throws one punch into like his side and another into his jaw and headbutts him again into the wall. Okay. Round of luck this time. Warwick got another 12. Yeah! And your, your opponent got another 2. Yeah! Uh, yes. So you like duck out of the way as Warwick just comes in like a freight train. Um, he kind of is charges and then just jumps, brings his knee up. And so just as as you kind of hit him into the wall and he's beginning to slide back kind of onto his feet, Warwick connects with a knee to the chest, into the wall, and then as he drops back, fist to the face, back into the wall. Uh, you actually feel the wall begin to shudder. This is kind of like an internal wall. It's not a load-bearing thing as he goes through the wall. I think I'm using a different dice now because I just rolled again. I rolled a nat 12 for Emily and a 2 for your enemy. I need a different wow. dice. I don't trust that one anymore. Uh, yeah, you you hit him, pound him into the wall. Warwick hits him through the wall. Emily steps through the hole in the wall uh, and you hear the slashing of the sword. And then as he flies back through the hole in the wall uh, and sprawls out into the ground. All right. Top of the round, it's you and him. Seven. Five. As he comes flying back through, Heath brings up both batons and cracks them into him as he flies past and, like, takes all the momentum out of him as he slides along the ground. And Heath is going to run up and basically, as he's on the ground, kick his head till he's basically up standing again and then hits him in the chest to knock him back down. All right, you hit the ground and you hear some wheeze and then a kind of a slight choking, cackling laugh. He goes, ha <laughs> uh, second time round is different. Um, all right, all right. Warwick again tries to like pounce on him, uh, but this time he's too fast. He puts his hands flat on the ground behind his head and shoves himself along the ground between Warwick's legs, rolls up. Um, he grabs Warwick like, uh, by the back of the leg and pulls him so that he falls flat and then kicks him in the head as he goes down. Ooh, and then as Emily begins to swing in with the sword, uh, he just contorts his spine. He bends himself backwards and to the side to avoid the blade uh, and then reaches right up for her throat with his claws. And he right over the throat with I the got claws. a nat 12. Heath puts his hand over the, the guy's hand, basically, laying the claws stab into his, and her, and Heath just, like, crunches down on his hand, so, like, holding the other and then grabs the other and is just, like, strength-wise, you know, like a strength battle of him holding his hands back. Eleven. A five. Okay. Uh, Heath is 
hold, still holding onto his hands and starts to bend them back and starts to push him down, like starting to actually win the battle of strength and one headbutt and then another and then knees him in the stomach and pushes him back. All right, you kind of uh, kick him back across the floor. Uh, Warwick is getting to his feet, um, but you've put enough distance between you and him that he kind of has a second. He rolls, he's holding his ribs, and you can see that uh, you've completely obliterated the goggles that cover his eyes, and the bandages are beginning to fall uh, as some of them have been torn apart um, by the slashing of Emily's sword. And the three of you sort of begin to spread out again to try and um, pin him in from all sides. I will admit... I was hoping for more than this. I thought this would go different, but can't be helped. And that's when you feel as if all of the sound in the room has just been pulled out. Everything goes silent and you feel a sort of magnetic pull. And then you feel almost like a release and you feel energy flowing into your bones, Heath. You feel more power, you feel more strength. And you feel like you have leveled up. Yay! Yay! But as you're watching, you see him feel the same. You see him sort of roll his shoulders and extend his arms. Um, He sort of rotates his neck and begins to stand up and he pulls the bandages from his face and throws them to the ground. Make a perception check for me. That's a seven. Uh, it is still dark and shadowy here. The only real light is still the revolving red uh, warning light. It is hard to tell, and maybe you don't really want to know. But his face is strange and disfigured. The shape of it almost is changed, more muzzle-like. You see a snubbed nose, you see a strange split in the lips. It looks as if whatever was done to him or whatever he did to himself was in an effort to make him something other than human, to splice some animal into him. And you can see that these ears are not for show. They are truly part of him. You see him grin and you see the split as his mouth opens far wider than it should and he pulls something from one of his pockets. I wish I could stay and play, but duty calls. He flicks open what looks like uh, a small lighter and you see that there is like a button on top. Oh no. So unnatural 12, mm-hmm. he's gonna go in. All right, he got an eight, you, you get there first. Heath slides in, grabs his hand and there is a, a sink sound as he pulls basically the uh, baton, clicking it onto its almost like a knife end. So there are different sharpened ends with different types of metals. And he pulls the figure's arm straight and stabs it up between at like the joint of the shoulder and the arm and begins to pry them apart as he tries to snap the guy's wrist to get him to let go of the detonator. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, no, he did not roll well enough to stop you. You smash him to the ground, you are prying it from his grip and you can feel his whole body trying to like push you off. He's trying to get his legs up underneath you to kick you away from him. He's feeling the body trying to pull itself back together as he's prying the arm from the shoulder and he digs it in deeper. All right, make a contested strength check. Five. Ten. You are prying him down. You get the the detonator out of his hand, but he gets he kind of like kicks you in the shin. You move your leg involuntarily, and then both his legs are up underneath you. And using almost like that rabbit force, he just kicks you straight in the chest and pushes you right off him. Uh, and he's going to roll, and now an opposed speed check to get to the detonator. Fifteen. Nine. <laughs> All right, you get to it first. Heath gets to it first, snap, like, grabs it up and snaps it in two. Okay, make a roll for me on any... If you get lower than a four... Eleven. Okay, never mind. All right, you're standing over him uh, as he sort of, like, slid along the ground, pushing himself, trying to get to it first, but you use your vertigo ability and you get to it first, you crush it and snap it, uh, and you are sort of slightly standing over him. Okay, uh, Heath is going to to watch him as he starts to, like, get back up and he's going to call out to Emily and Warwick. Alistair and Puck need you. I can hold him. Understood. Uh, And you hear 
almost, almost under his breath, Warwick going hop, 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 as he starts as he starts running for the for the um the elevator again, and that as they start to move, you hear from above you, from the floor above, you hear a shuddering crack, and then masonry begins to drop from above. He's got a call again. Emily, maybe you need to go upstairs. And then the ceiling collapses above you. Uh, natural one. All right. Um, natural one, you see the figure underneath you looking up, and then his eyes darting, and then starts to scrabble away. You grab him by the legs, <laughs> and you like fling him further into the room as the stones begin to fall. And then you see something. You just look up, and you see one heading straight for your head, and you do not have time to move. And you go, crack. And you begin to pass out. You begin to fall backwards. Now I am going to make a roll. Or we just flicked a coin. And we'll find out what that meant later. Ooh. All right. Turn to Alistair and Puck. Alistair, the gun has been, the material part of the gun has been pulled completely from you and it is hanging in air between you. The only thing keeping it from returning to Mother is the part of Faustus that is still in your brain, which is slowly being dragged from you. Uh, and you can hear Mother's voice both in the room with you, but also echoing in your head as she's speaking to Faustus. There is nothing to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end of this world. I will make it new and you will have a place in it. Nothing to fear. What are you doing, Alistair? Um, I'm going to try talking out loud to Faustus. Um, mm -hmm. I think I'll... Yeah, like, watching her and watching the gun, he's like, Dylan, Dylan. Please fight it, fight it! Don't let her, don't let her take you. Ah! As he's feeling like that weird, like sickening blood being extracted from his brain type feeling, as Dylan is slowly trying to be ripped from him. Mhm. Mm uh, you can hear his panicked voice. It's not that I want to go. She's pulling. I can't. Fight it! I'm trying! Make a sync roll for me, actually. Ooh, this one's only a five for me. Yeah, it's a natural one. Nice. Like, almost like a deep splinter being pulled out, you feel the, the last vestiges of Dylan's presence in your mind. Let go. Dylan! And you, you can almost feel him. But make a paranormal knowledge roll. 14. Natural 12 plus 2. As you feel it leaving you, you feel everything begin to slow around you. And you feel almost as if you're entering into that, that monochrome space where you can see the outcome of things before they happen. And with a roll that high, you recognise this feeling. You recognise it from dreams that you've had. You recognise it from the SS split fin. You recognize the presence of a shadowy feathered figure behind you. As Dylan is being pulled into the gun and the gun is beginning to drift towards Mother, you feel this figure put an arm around your shoulder and it reaches out a long, long taloned hand and scoops the gun and Dylan from the air in front of you and draws it back. Time around you has all but slowed completely. Alistair turns to look. Carrion! You see a pale, smooth face. Amid dark feathers, you see completely black eyes as he looks down on you. 
Hello, Alistair Stern. You came. As soon as I could. It seems you are giving up this lost thing. He's not mine to keep. Nor is he hers to have. I did everything I could, but she's... She's too strong. She's ripping him from... From me. He looks up and you can see that he is looking into this tear in reality. She is doing more than that. She's tearing the fabric. She is putting holes into every layer. She's drawing everything together. It has its advantages. I can be here now as well. But we have to stop it though, don't we? Harbinger will not be happy. But we cannot let her take this little soul. Alistair, in your head, you can feel Dylan's panic. You can feel this sort of flitting as he is trying to cling on to you. Uh, but the force is just dragging him away. Dylan. Dylan, yes. listen to me. He... He's going to look after you. Okay, I promise. I'm not trying to get rid of you. I, I'm, I'm sorry I doubted you. I understand that you're scared. I understand that you want to be alive again, that you want to be living here with us, but you, you need to be brave and you need to trust Carrion. He will look after you. As long as you stay with me in this world, Mother will hunt you down and she will take you and she will use your power for evil. And I can't let her do that. And whatever you're with me, you're not safe, okay? You need... You need to go with him now, okay? You feel a, a soft, feathered presence in your mind. No words, just a calming presence. And you hear Dylan's voice, small and shaky. Okay. I believe you. But please, don't forget me. I never could. Thank and you. Gone. And then he's gone. He folds uh, the gun into the layers of his feathers. It's okay. I will keep him safe. But as is the law, there must be an exchange. You have lost him. I have taken him. So I shall return something to you. Consider it a gift to protect you. And, and he unveils Winston. <laughs> a bulletproof like, no. vest. No, thanks. I don't want him. I don't, no. I don't want him. <laughs> and from under the feathers, he draws out something shining and dark, and you feel it pressed into your hand. Be brave, Alistair Stern. There is much to come. And then you feel the feathers flutter and disappear, and you're returned to time. The gun has disappeared, and there's almost a moment of unreality where Mother does not know what has happened. And as you look down to your hand, Alistair, I've just sent you something in the chat. You see in your palm is a small, slightly curved throwing knife. It has uh, a black enamel handle with a design of uh, like raven feathers carved into it. This is the carrion blade. This is a very special item, a one of a kind. You now have all of the, the details of how it works there. This is the replacement for having lost the service revolver. You see a moment of confusion uh, as Mother's face sort of wrinkles in annoyance and then smooths again. Alistair looks at her and looks down at the knife that's appeared in his hand and kind of grips it tightly and starts turning it over in his hand and testing it for balance trying to understand what this strange object that he's just been given is and what it's going to do and then he looks up and meets the gaze of mother 
How inconvenient. Still, it is no great loss. Friends in high places. All things will be mine in time. She looks at you, Alistair. We'll see about that. You have been a thorn in my side before. That's why I wanted you here. To witness what would come. And how fitting that you would carry. But never mind. It is lost now and there is nothing I can do. The harbinger will come. And the harbinger will fall. Revolver or no revolver. And what will you do? Alistair Stern. Alistair grips the knife again, tightly rotates it around into like a fighting stance, into like so he's holding the blade backwards like you would if you were gonna use it. And he lowers himself into a bit more of a fighting stance, getting himself ready. He's like You know, he has a name. No name lasts forever. So how long have you been calling yourself mother then? <laughs> it's awfully self-righteous of you, isn't it? You feel a presence in your mind all of a sudden, very similar to what Ernest uh, has done to you before. And you hear her voice and you begin to see flickering images of someone else's memories placed into your head. As she says, I was once a child in this very house a protege of the preternatural experts of our age. But they feared me. And you see images of a small girl in tier above. You recognize the rooms, you recognize the hallways. It looks older, things are different, but you recognize it. And you see a small child skipping along corridors, playing in the great hall. And you see the looks that are given to her. They feared my father, too. You see her crawling into the lap of a man reading a book in the library that you yourself have used. You see him wrap up his arms around her. They refused the call to delve deep into the unknown, into the ocean that lies beyond the veil. But my father was a visionary. He studied the fabric that separates our world from its sisters. But I went further. You see visions piling on top of the other of her father at a workbench, studying different manuscripts and texts. You see arguments with other tier agents and you see a young woman. You realize that this must have been mother once. The name springs into your mind, Alanya. You see her work, you see shadowy test chambers, you see experiments on humans and animals alike. I broke through. I became one with the ocean of possibilities. From that darkness, I have been calling, making wave after wave to break upon the shores of our world, a promise of my return. And now I am here, Alistair Stern. I open the gates to all worlds. I bring with me the ocean. I am the tide that rises and consumes all. I will be all. I will consume all and then there is only me. I will return the world to the way it should have been. No barriers. No segregation. No wall between us and between all that lies beyond. And I will rule it and you will be forgotten. No one, no one gets to claim that title. I don't care what, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who your father was. I don't care who you were when you grew up. Nobody, nobody takes that title. We will see. I guess we will.
Catch me howling at the moon 